everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the River Blast Podcast. I'm Noah Hiles. I'm Alex Stump. And Alex, Josh Bell, the team's most valuable player in 2019, is a right fielder in 2020? No. Okay. No. God, no. No. Uh, Neil Huntington talked about this in his media uh, meeting on a Sunday, that they're going to be looking for better internal options for right field. Uh, maybe even going for some external options because they don't know what Gregory Polanco's status is. We talked about this a little bit last week. I, I didn't really expect him to be so. It, it's a rare case of Neil seeming like he was actually being open about the situation at hand. And it, it's kind of bleak. I mean, Polanco's done for the rest of the year. And he's going to need PRP injections to try to get him inflammation done down if that doesn't work then there's a problem then there's a problem we don't know when gregory polanco would be back in 2020 so there are some other options there are external options i mean they could theoretically look at a guy like Corey dickerson bring him back and slot reynolds back to right field which i think he played a little better than he does out in left field at pnc park but overall no no, not Josh Bell in right field. That that ship has sailed. I just can't picture. He's not built like a right fielder. He's just too no. big. And like, I'm not calling him fat, but like linebackers don't play right field. He's a he's a middle freaking linebacker. He's bigger than some middle linebackers. You I mean, it is I, I've used the tight end you know analogy a bunch of times, and that's kind of the problem. Whenever he was in high school, he whenever he was playing. Baseball in high school, the Pirates drafted him. He was a lot thinner then, yes. too. He didn't have as much mass. He didn't have as much muscle. He can't play right field in a major league ball, but more than like emergency moonlighting type situation. Yeah. I, I, I just I can't picture my mom's Greyhound's going insane right now. He's just running around. My mom just got home. Anyway, um, touring apartments today. Anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, I, yeah, I just can't picture him running around in the outfield. And that's not, again, this is not roasting like Josh Bell calling him fat or a bad athlete. He's just not built to play outfield. He is built to play people with his body mass, with his muscle mass. They play corner infield positions or they play catcher, pitcher, or designated hitter. We know how he throws the ball, so that really limits him to two spots on the entire baseball diamond. Actually, one on the diamond and one on the dugout and, and then in the batter's box. That position's not an option right now. So he's a first baseman until designated hitter comes in the National League, which is hopefully soon because that way we could play Asuna at first base regularly. Hopefully not soon because I am a purist. Uh, I just It would make things a lot easier. It would. It would. I don't care. Yeah. I know. Uh, so, internal options for right field. If it's not Josh Bell, if it's not Gregory Polanco, who is it? Is it Pablo? Is it... I think Pablo. Jason I think Jose is... I don't think Osuna is really inspiring much hope, you know, defensively out in right field. He looks far more comfortable in the infield corner positions. What about Colin Moran? Uh, you know... Colin did play a little outfield, you know, emergency this year. But that was left field. They didn't want him to get a look from a different side of the outfield. 
maybe if they really worked on him this off season and he could get accustomed to the wall and making those throws, and maybe he could be in the right field. But then again, he's still an average hitting platoon player. I don't hey. know if this is all the effort. No, no. I'm in. You know what? Call Miranda right field. That's my. That's my. That's my stance as we go into this outfield. Make Call Miranda the right fielder. Never. There's a state border between you. <laughs> well, I mean, he. I mean, I'm tired of the slander on this guy. I haven't looked up his numbers, but I think he's above average at the plate this year. I don't know. Hey, but hey, I'm, I'm looking him up. He's my friend. Okay. Call him Miranda. Yeah. That was your guy. That was my guy. He's got a 778 OPS. That's above average. What's his OPS plus? Uh, you know, the MLB app doesn't show that, and we're not going to get into that, okay? Because I, I feel like that would really crush my argument. Try to Say that again. I went to StatCast to try to get the XWOBA, which is below average. Mm. Below average hard hit percentage, exit velocity. I mean, as a platoon player, I know he's gotten some at-bats against lefties recently, which lowered a bit, okay, but he wasn't even really average in terms of the metrics of hitting, you know, how well he was striking the ball. So I I have a hard time saying, yeah, let's move him to a different position out in right field. I mean, it would create a spot for Brian Hayes. Mm -hmm. That's, That's pretty much the end of the positives. I can think of Give me him and Osuna as a platoon. That's all I want. That's that's the Noah Hiles guy platoon. Osuna's not my... I'm I'm an Osuna fan. I'm a Colin Moran friend. Honestly, like the Colin Moran, Jose Osuna platoon wouldn't be a bad platoon. No, it wouldn't. Because Osuna mashes against lefties. Yes, and then you find ways to get Osuna in the lineup like at third base or first base or, you know, I'm sure in April they'll play him at second base once because that's how that stuff works, I guess, with the Pirates. Um, And it'll be okay. Give me that platoon in right field. Gregory Polanco, I'm not going to say hit hit the road because I I hope he's okay. All right, moving on. Alex, what is going to be the first way you described your grandkids about – the MLB debut of James Marvel. Well, I'm not going to talk about the debut. I'm going to talk about in 2020, 2020, whenever James Marvel pitches against the Nationals. And James Marvel goes six, seven innings, pitches really well, gets the win. Marvel beats DC. Marvel was better than DC. That's the headline that day. I ascended to Valhalla, hitting the peak of my writing career. So I, I don't know how grandkids come into the mix of that situation. That sounded a little like Harry Potter at the beginning. Uh. But, yeah, it was a good debut for James Marvel. I, I mean, I kind of had a little bit of a... Nick Kingham flashback for those first couple oh, innings. Buddy, don't 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 make me cry right now. But I, I like James. I I talked to him whenever he was in double A. He's a really smart kid. He's always trying to get new information. And that was something, you know, whenever I was Buck's dugout, I, I wrote that story about how the catchers would say, Yeah, you know, he's constantly talking to us. He's trying to get advantages. And he's like, Yeah, I mean I'm not 
all in on analytics, but I'm definitely willing to take information. You know, does this guy have a good first pitch? Uh, or does this guy offer at first pitches a lot? If he does, I could throw a breaking ball in the dirt, get ahead of one. And, you know, AAA, he did the same thing. And in the major leagues, I, I talked to Stallings after the game who caught him. And, like, so he has this reputation of, you know, chewing guys' ears off. You know, did you get that this week? He's like, yeah, yeah, we talk pretty much every day. And then the day before his start, Saturday, this was something uh, Stallings talked about. Uh, Marvel sat next to him because he knew he was going to face the Cardinals the next day. And he already had ideas on how to attack all the players. And they were good ideas. He had done his homework. Like, Stallings was impressed with the work that he'd done in just a couple of days. He got up to the majors on Thursday. I mean, he, I think it was Wednesday. He didn't even know he was going to be pitching again anymore this year. And then on Saturday, he had, like, a really good game plan for the Cardinals ready to go even before uh, the Pirates had, like, an official one, I think, I guess. So I really love his mind. The stuff is concerning. It's not blow by you stuff. He doesn't have this wipeout slider. I don't think he would translate well into the bullpen because I think a lot of his success comes from the game planning aspect of being a starter. That all said, he's got three more starts in 2019, and I am very intrigued with what he'll do in them. All right. Um, so James Marvel is a Duke guy. He's a Duke yes. Blue Devil. I'm looking through the list of Duke players in the MLB, and there are some names that I just love on this list. You got James Marvel, who I don't know. He's pitched once. Marcus Stroman, awesome player to watch. Very yes. entertaining. Yeah. You've got arguably one of the greatest professional athletes of all time in Dick Grote. MVP in yeah. baseball, NBA All-Star. He had his number retired at Duke as a basketball player. First player ever at Duke to have his number retired. And yes. then he wins an MVP in a World Series winning team. I mean, my goodness. And then, I don't think this is the character from the movie, but Crash Davis played baseball at Duke. Crash Davis from the movie Bull Durham. So, How about that? So look at that. So that's not a bad Mount Rushmore right there. James Marvel, <laughs> Dick Grote, Marcus whoa, whoa, Stroman, whoa. and Crash Davis. I, I, let's be real here. James Marvel doesn't get on the get on the Mount Rushmore after one big league start. Yeah, Dan Otero probably makes it on there. Um, who else we got on here? I don't know. Well, this isn't a Duke baseball podcast, but I'm looking around. Quentin McCracken's a hell of a name. I don't really have much on him as an athlete. Oh, outfielder? I'll take your word for it. Okay. All right. Good Footer, Footer Johnson is another name. Jeez, oh, man, what a – I love 60, 50, 19 – any name in baseball between, like, 1920 to 1950 – like, they're the most, like, goofy names. Like, every, every like, other one. Like, you have, like, Haywood Sullivan and, like, Footer Johnson and Raleigh Fingers of, and... 10% of baseball names from, like, 1920-something to... I, then, yeah, as, like, a penis euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll round out our Pirates talk. 
by asking another question to Alex. Alex, we've talked a couple times about the future of the outfield, what to do this offseason with um, Starling Marte. Coming off, he's coming off of a career year. This is probably the best career that he has had in the major leagues, at least offensively. Then again, you could say that for probably about half the league that they've had career highs at the plate this year. Brian Reynolds has been playing center field since Marte's been injured. He's made some spectacular plays. Have you changed your stance at all on Brian Reynolds, the center fielder? No, I, I mean, it's tempting whenever you see him make those diving catches. I mean, he had a couple days in there, and he was great. I mean, A-plus replacement report performance for Starling Marte out in center field, but... No, no, I, I still think he is a corner outfielder who can play center field for a day or two if your guy's hurt, but over the course of 162 games or 150 or however, however many he would end up playing, he would cost too many runs in center field. Yeah, preventable runs. All right. So that concludes our Pirates talk. We have a guest on, and uh, it's back-to-back weeks with a guest. It's like the Pirates are in contention again. It makes me sad. Um, we have play-by-play voice of the West Virginia Black Bears, Donnie Chedrick, joining us. Donnie gives us some insight on the Pirates' short-season single-A team, uh, tells us some stories about life on the road in the minor leagues, and uh, maybe shines some light on a few guys that we can look forward to as Pirates fans in the, I wouldn't say the near future, but in the future. So enjoy that right now. All right, so joining us on the phone right now is the voice of your West Virginia Black Bears, the single, the short-season single-A affiliate of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Did I say that? Are they Morgantown Black Bears or West Virginia Black Bears? Uh, they are the West Virginia Black Bears. I know there was, uh, there was some confusion whenever the power was still in West Virginia. People would refer to it as Morgantown, but uh, I think now that the power – or with the uh, the Seattle Mariners, I think now it's it's pretty much just West Virginia across the board. All right, that man with all the answers is Donnie Chedrick. Donnie has called games for the West Virginia Black Bears in each of the past two seasons, and he joins us now on the podcast. First off, Donnie, thanks for reaching out to us on Twitter. Um, I know I talked to you about coming on the show last year, and we just never got around to it. Thanks for reminding me and uh, really doing my job for me. Oh, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I saw you guys tweet out um, about maybe needing some ideas. Uh, and it happened to be on the last day of the regular season. And I wanted to wait to see if this team made the playoffs because it, they did have a win and end situation to make it. Unfortunately, things didn't go their way. So then after the game, I went back to the tweet and I uh, decided to reach out. Yeah, and that was a good move. So I think that's a good place to start. You said they just missed the playoffs. Give us a little bit of a season recap for the West Virginia Black Bears, for those of us who weren't really tuning in every game. Well, certainly an exciting season uh, for these guys, uh, as you can imagine, going into the last day and having a chance to uh, to make the playoffs definitely makes things exciting. Um, finishing 40-36 and 36, um, in 76 games, you know, so every game got got in no games had to be uh canceled um 
but it was it was a really special group uh, filled with a lot of draft picks from this year um, and then a handful of guys from last year and also those uh, international free agents that are working their way up through the system. But uh, a lot of the season it was sort of battling uh, to get close to Batavia, uh, Batavia being the affiliate of the Miami Marlins. Uh, that was uh, the squad that ended up winning the Pinckney Division this year. The Black Bears were pretty much behind them the entire season. Then it sort of turned once we hit a series at Batavia, three-game set in the middle of August. Uh, the Black Bears took two of three, um, and then it set up for a very big series in the final week of the year. It was actually the Black Bears' uh, final home series, three games against Batavia. Batavia would take two of three. So then going into the final weekend, it was a, it was a little hectic. Uh, West Virginia was a game and a half back, uh, having four games to play. Batavia had three, and it all became even after that final Saturday of the season. The Black Bears had a doubleheader. Uh, Batavia had one game. So West Virginia won both games in the doubleheader. Batavia lost their game. So then it was all even going into the final two days. But working out the tiebreakers, the Black Bears actually had the advantage um, in terms of divisional record. So it was right there for the Black Bears to take the division, unfortunately, uh, losing on that final Monday on Labor Day and then Batavia winning. Uh, that, that put um, Batavia into the playoffs and left West Virginia at home. But it was definitely cool going into that final game not knowing what could happen and knowing that uh, victory would get this team into the playoffs. Uh, you mentioned some of the draft picks that have come in through this year, and a couple. I want to start with one for Blaster, actually. Uh, Braxton Ashcraft, who, granted, he's 19 years old, so you can't really put too much stock, I guess, into this past year, but this was not a good jump up in the farm system for him. Uh, what did you see from him? Uh, he was a guy, and, and I actually got to talk to a handful of scouts on the road. You know, I would see scouts from various teams, and the thing that I would always tell them uh, is what I'll tell you. It's that he's a guy, whenever you look at him and you see him pitch, you can tell that you can definitely work with him, uh, and he has that perfect build to be a major league pitcher one day, you know, 6'5", about 200 pounds. Uh, maybe put some weight on him, get some more power behind him uh with his pitches but he, he's a guy that has the tools he just couldn't put it together this year like you said for whatever reason um i felt that some of his numbers were not so bad some of them of course were bad you take the easy look at the era you see you know one that's high fives close to six uh win loss record i know that becomes more and more irrelevant as baseball goes on but he was one in nine uh, and he lost his first seven starts with the team this year. But I thought his whip was okay, uh, you know, 1.34. You know, not great, but I didn't think that was too bad of a number. Um, he was, was okay in terms of strikeouts. I, I expected going into the year, whenever you look at a guy like that, you would think his, his strikeout numbers would be up, unfortunately. Uh, not too much of a strikeout guy, at least for now. Uh, but we'll see if that develops in the future. I, I I was excited off the bat 
being that it was a guy that was pretty highly touted in the system. Um, right now, he's number 12 in the Pirates' top 30 and would probably move up once Mitch Keller logs enough time in the majors. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the, the season wasn't great for him. Uh, he, he even suffered a little bit of a setback towards the end. He didn't finish the season on a, on a healthy note, but I don't think it's anything serious. Donnie, I got two questions. One's kind of a short one. The other one is not. I'm looking at the first one, the short one. I'm looking through the roster right now, and I see Victor Ngope. Is is this the younger brother of my favorite pirate of all time? Yes, sir. Uh, Victor Ngope is the younger brother of Gift, uh, and I got to say, he was one of the one of the coolest guys on the team. Not to say that there was any guy in the team that I didn't like, because this, like I said, was a great group, but. Victor was, you know, very lively, uh, you know, always one of those guys to say hello. Um, certainly an exciting guy. As you could see, if you just look at his bio, uh, undersized, you know, he's going to lack power going up. He really showed some good defensive tools, though, and I think if he would get to the show one day, that's going to be what gets him there. All right, so I'm looking through all the offensive numbers, and they not really anyone is jumping off the page. No one with an OPS over 800. Uh, no one with more than four home runs. Uh, but the pitching stats are very impressive. I know you just talked to Alex about one of the prospects who kind of struggled a little bit, but the rest of these guys seem to have pretty low ERAs, a lot of high strikeout totals. Was this just a very pitching-heavy team this year? Yeah, it was, it was sort of the opposite from last season. I think that's what made the team better. The hitting, uh, even though the, the coaching staff, for the most part, was more on the hitting side, uh, that was something that, we'll sort of see develop over years, not necessarily the, the few months that the season takes, but the opposite factor with this team was that the pitching was much better than it was last season. My first year with the team, the pitching was among the worst in the league. They had the worst ERA in the whole New York Penn League, and that's why the team finished uh, one of the worst teams in the league overall. This year it was certainly something different, very, re- very refreshing, uh, from that aspect, to see a lot of these guys um, start out well and then even carry it through the season. Some guys that were on last year's squad uh, that ended up moving up to Greensboro midway, Mike LaPresti, Cody Smith, uh, some guys that had so-so numbers last year, I would even say some bad numbers last year, uh, and they, they really came out on fire this year. LaPresti in eight appearances only gave up two armed runs. Um, you know, he... He had an ERA just over 1-3. Uh, and then uh, some of the new guys that weren't with the squad last year, uh, one of the new draft picks from this year ended up being an all-star in the New York Penn League, Cameron Junker. One of my favorite relievers to watch, uh, ERA below 1-3, um, led the team in saves. You know, Take that for what it's worth. He was 5-0 and again. Take that for what it's worth. But he was a guy that had 45 strikeouts in under 30 innings. Had a whip below .9. He was a guy that pretty much, whenever you saw him coming in, you know, over the course of the season, uh, it it automatically put me in a good mood because I know he would come in and handle business, especially if the team had a lead. Uh, Some other guys that had pretty solid years, you know, of course, not a huge sample size for anybody. Uh, Francis Del Orbe, his second year with the team. Jesus Valles was an all-star ERA in the mid-threes. Fair Bellamy, uh, he came up about midway through the season, and you had guys like Noe Toribio who moved up to Greensboro 
Uh, Xavier Concepcion had some walk issues, but he got things under control. And then Austin Roberts and Jacob Webb, two of my uh, other favorite young guys that had their first years in West Virginia. So I, one pitcher that you didn't mention there that but was very intriguing to me was a fourth-round draft pick from this year, uh, J.C. Flowers. Uh, was a two-way player in college, served as their team closer, uh, but he's been starting. He spent most of the year starting uh, for uh, the Black Bears. Obviously never went that deep into a game. But do you think the plan for the Pirates is to stretch him out as a starting pitcher, or do you think he'd be better served as a relief pitcher? And I guess before any of that, does his breaking ball live up to the hype that I heard? Uh, I thought he had a pretty solid breaking ball. Uh, unfortunately, you know, if you look at his numbers, uh, not a terrific first year, but a lot of these guys going through their long college season and then, you know, in, straight into a pro season. Um, but he was somebody, as you mentioned, being a closer at Florida State, that's sort of what we expected to see whenever he came in. And he, he started his first game, it was a doubleheader. And doubleheaders in the minor leagues, both games go seven innings. So, you know, they save these guys a little bit. And he only went one inning in that game. And I thought, you know, maybe some sort of opener role that he would fall into uh, or move back into the bullpen. But I never really saw him come out of the bullpen. Uh, He made nine appearances and eight of those were starts. So there was only one time where J.C. came out of the bullpen this year. So I I guess it, it appears that they want to see what they can get out of him in a starting role. He would go further and further as it as the season went on, like a lot of these guys did. Uh, but starting out, he would go one to two innings. Uh, then he would bump up to three. Then he would get to four to five uh, as the season went on. And it, it did seem to get better for him also. Uh, you know, his, his numbers were spiked up a little bit in his first few appearances, and he was able to contract it down to – have a respectable uh, ERA and some other statistics by the time the season came to an end. And there are two other graphics from this draft I want to bring up. Uh, both second-rounders, uh, Matt Gorski and Jared Triolo. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, Triolo. Triolo. Lucky guess. Uh, both of them. I mean, these are the two highest-hitting or highest-ranked hitters that the parts took this past draft. You got to watch him for a year. What did you see? You can; those are two other guys you can look at right away and pretty much already picture them in the major leagues. Obviously, they won't hit that spot for a couple of years, but uh, Jared Triolo was, you know, one of the best overall guys on the team this year. And I think if you watched any uh, set of games or you know watched any film or anything like that, you would discover that he went into a pretty significant slump at the end of the year, so his average ended up being under two forty. Uh, but he was hitting the ball at a pretty good clip in late July through early August. Had the average up over 270. Uh, got named to the All-Star team. Only had two home runs, but he was a guy that hit very well with runners in scoring position. He led the team in RBIs. Uh, he led the team in doubles uh, significantly. One of only two guys with uh, double-digit doubles. He had 19. He was one of the top guys in that category and an extra base hits in the entire league. Uh, very good defensively, whether he played at shortstop or at third base. He was predominantly a third baseman, uh, and he was always very sure-handed. You know, all these guys have a few errors throughout the course of a year, but uh, he was a 
very good guy in the field, I thought, for the most part. Matt Gorski, the same way. The, the average, not what you would expect out of a second-round pick, but he's a guy that has more speed than somebody like Jared Triolo. He's a speedy outfielder. Uh, he's smart in the outfield, um, can play. They, they played him at all three outfield positions like they did with a lot of the outfielders on the roster, so he got plenty of time in left, center, and right. Uh, whenever he got on base, too, he was a threat to go. Not great stolen base numbers as a team this year. He was the only guy with more than 10, uh, finishing with 11 bags on the season. And he also came into the season, something I, I found out whenever I talked to him uh, for one of our pregame interviews. He had never hit a home run with a wooden bat, and he ended up having three this year, uh, which, you know, not a great home run total, but remember a shortened season. Uh, he ended up being one of the leaders in home runs on the team. So I thought that was a good sign to see that, you know, he can he can definitely show those shades of a five-tool player. Uh, Alex, unless you got any more, I think it's time to get into the, the non-baseball I got, questions. I got one more real fast one. All right. You, you watched these last two years. Is there one guy who is going under the radar who you think we'll see in Pittsburgh? Maybe sooner rather than later. And tell me why it's not Victor and Gope. <laughs> uh, well, well that, that, that's a tough one. I mean, because you got to think of a guy that um, is probably, probably drafted a little bit later, I would imagine. Um, but a guy that I liked a lot this year, uh, seventh round pick, so relatively early, uh, especially in terms of baseball. Um, but that's Blake Sable. Uh, he was the outfielder out of USC. Um, and he also has some Pittsburgh ties. Uh, he was the guy, he's the kid that is second cousins with Troy Polamalu. So automatically, uh, Pittsburgh fans are going to like this kid, you know, as long as he comes up further in the pirate system. I also found out he is very good friends with Juju Smith-Schuster from his time at USC. So another Pittsburgh tie in there. I know he went out to uh, St. Vincent to training camp uh, during one of the off days. He's a guy that I, I really saw um, shine a little bit. He, he looked so-so in the outfield. He wasn't great. He wasn't as good defensively um, as some of the other guys, uh, like a Matt Gorski, as mentioned earlier. Um, but Blake went into a pretty good uh, spell at the plate, you know, ended up hitting uh, around 250. You know, a lot of these guys went on a little drought near the end as well, but he, he, he was another guy that showed uh, the shades of five tools. And one, of the, uh, one other guy real quickly, uh, Kyle Wilkie, he was a 12th rounder this year out of Clemson. Started out very slow, uh, then went on an absolute tear in mid-July got the average up over 270, another guy that ended up finishing under 250, but certainly showed uh, some good consistency at the plate. He also, uh, I thought, played very well defensively as a catcher. Random question, you probably don't know this, but Sable, I think the Wild Things had a Sable like two years ago also who was related to Palomalu, so I'm willing to take a bet that they're related also. It, it may have been his older brother. He had an older brother okay. named uh, Stefan who was in the Mets. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, he was in the Mets system a few years ago. All right, Donnie. So as the voice of the team, you get to travel along with them. Give us uh, one road story that you accumulated through the 2019 Black Bear season. 
That's like, that's like giving out free permanies in the press box at the Pirates games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually really like that comparison because that's immediately what I would think of with Pittsburgh. So, Alex, you got any minor league road questions? You know, you stole my one. That, that's my one, the best meal. All right, here, I got one more. All right. Uh, so, I, I, too, worked in the New York Penn League for uh, half a season till I was asked to resign. Well, we'll go, we'll go down that story another time. Anyway, uh, during my time with the Mahoning Valley Scrappers, I know, you know, minor league baseball, it's just so unpredictable. There's just a million weird things that happen. Um, but one of my favorite stories that I had is when we had a raccoon that kept breaking into our suites and just taking a dump in the middle of the floor on all the suites. Uh, it was kind of like an, a rivalry was born between one of the sales interns and the raccoon. His job was to catch it. It was kind of like the, the gopher and, and Carl Spackler and Caddyshack. Um, do you have any moments like that, just like random problems that only would happen in minor league baseball? Uh, I 
mean, I, I don't have anything that could top that. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty wild story. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to deal with any sort of uh, wild animals um, in my time. I, I do enjoy the, uh, the the traveling aspect in terms of uh, all the different hotels because you never really know what you're going to get. Um, I don't know if you traveled whenever you were with the scrappers, uh, but there are some places you go in the New York Penn League and you think, wow, this is, you know, pretty nice for, uh, for the league, you know, pretty nice just in general. And then there's those other places where you go and sort of cringe and, uh, worry if you're going to wake up with a bunch of bug bites on your body. So, uh, I, I always thought that part was kind of amusing. Uh, luckily, um, Knock on wood, if you're with me, John uh, John Gruden. I haven't gotten uh, any bug bites of any sort in the first two years, so uh, I guess I'm lucky in that way. Well, there you go. and You're lucky for this opportunity. This is a really cool gig that you have, and uh, we're glad that we could bring you on here to talk about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love doing this stuff. I mean, it, it's certainly a grind, uh, and you know, but uh, of course, this is something I want to do ultimately, so you have to start. Um, I mean, you have to start somewhere. I mean, I know it's the saying, but, uh, you know, the 76-day season in about 80 days uh, it gets somebody younger ready for, you know, any shot in the future where they do a full season um, or even a major league level job. And it beats getting those random phone calls from PJ to see if you can fill in on overnight at KDKA, right? <laughs> I did get a few of those. Uh, and I, I, I always... <laughs> I would, I would always feel inclined to say yes. I, I think I said yes to him every time I had to do, uh, do some fill-in overnights. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had to do those, too. Big shout-out to uh, my former co-host of my other podcast I had, Michael Garr, anytime he was unable to go. It, I felt like it was always me or you that one year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Garr. Uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if he listens to this uh, every <laughs> week, but... Uh, Big fan of Michael Gar, his mustache that I just uh, noticed a few weeks ago. His Instagram page with the water in every picture. I think that's a very good theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also told Gar that I need to get him a West Virginia Black Bears hat because I know his obsession with minor league baseball hats. Yes, I agree. All right, well, Donnie, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Twitter uh, at. Don Ched 54 um, Instagram it's at Don 54 Ched because I'm so creative and I switch it up <laughs> and then uh, Facebook just Donnie Chedrick uh, e- easy enough you know I don't have too common of a name I don't think I don't think so either all right well Donnie thanks for coming on I appreciate it and uh, we look forward to talking to you next year about the New York Penn League champion West Virginia Black Bears I hope hope so. I hope that part's true. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, It was fun. Big thanks to Donnie for joining us. Be sure to give him a follow on social media. And next season... Tune in. Uh, I've actually listened to a couple games Donnie's called, both um, when he was calling games for the Black Bears, and uh, he used to call a couple games for the trip, High School Sports Network, um, which is also another place I used to work. He's a cool dude. I'm looking forward to seeing where his career path takes him. 
Um, he's really focused on the play-by-play route, and I think he's going to do big things. So follow along with him. Follow along with the, the Black Bears. Both are a good time. You know what's also a good time, Alex? What is that, Noah? It's the best place to eat at PNC Park. Just thought you would need that reminder, which is Slice on Broadway. Our interview, that interview was brought to you by Slice on Broadway with locations in Carnegie Beach View and the East End. Oh, and of course, our favorite at PNC Park. Slice on Broadway has it all from their perfect pizza, spectacular salads, or super delicious subs. Everything they make is a handmade, one of a kind gem that's the best your money can buy. They wouldn't be able to sleep if it wasn't. Be sure to check them out and tell them the guys from the River Blast podcast sent you. Can I just address this clap back in case anyone missed it? Yes. Because I was minding up my own business and I looked at what the press dining was going to be at PNC Park. What was it? It really appealed to me. So it's like, you know what? I want to eat in the stadium. And I put it out as a suggestion. What was it? What was the press dining dining option? I think it was the meatloaf night. You... You don't like meatloaf night? I love meatloaf in general, but they do not make good meatloaf. I like their meatloaf. You know what I really like there? And this is like the most, I know we're getting off track, but I think the best meal that they make is when they do the the fish and rice pilaf. Okay. I mean, I really like it. You know, their worst meal is Sunday. The breakfast stinks. No, the breakfast is good. Yeah, I'm not a big breakfast guy in general. I'm a big breakfast guy. Uh, I don't no. eat breakfast at one o'clock. Is the burrito taco? Oh yeah. I've sworn that off. I've sworn that off. Okay. But so I tweeted out like, what are some good places to eat at the ballpark besides the obvious ones? And you know, everyone's like, oh, what about Slice on Broadway, the place that sponsors your show? It's like that counts as an obvious one, obviously. That's like... It's like, oh, what's a good place? Oh, Manny's. I've never heard of Manny's. Yeah, I'll go out to see Manny San Gideon. Wow, what a unique concept. It's like, but no. I ended up going to that, uh, that marketplace. I ended up getting a, like a steak sandwich. It was, it was good. That's like Colin I... Dunlap tweeting out, like, hey, I need a lawyer. Um, anyone got a recommendation? And like, Shenderovich and Shenderovich and Fishman are just sitting there on their couch. Like, with their palms like, to the sky. Like, what the hell, man? You know, like... 25%, man, 25%. <laughs> they got your back, not your wallet. All right. What'd you end up getting? I ended up getting that steak sandwich from the market. And I would recommend it. Okay. Not recommended above Slice on Broadway, though. No, no. Slice on Broadway. Slice on Broadway still in, in the S tier. You know, at the very tippy top. Don't worry. Don't worry. They treat us well. They do treat us too well. All right. So, Alex, in honor of Donnie coming on the show, he mentioned staying at some nice hotels, staying at some bad ones. Uh, I'm a new person to Canton. I'm familiar with the area. I went to college here. But I'm, I'm, I'm making it a point to check out all of the local areas. I'm going to a different place for lunch every week. I have an Excel sheet where I give a grade. I have a grading scale. There's five different things I graded on. I graded on price, atmosphere, service, cleanliness, and um, price, atmosphere, service, and uh, I don't know. Oh, just the quality of the food. 
And I, I mean, I have like, I keep a grading scale and a chart and everything. It's like a big thing. I just do it for myself. I don't publicize it. But so I'm checking out the area and you do a little Google searching every now and then. And while I, I was on my computer, one of my coworkers came up to me and goes, while you're looking up things in Canton, check out the reviews for the Canton Inn Motel. I drove by the Canton Inn Motel. It's on a road, it's Tuscarora Street. Not the best road in town. I'll put it that way. Um, some sketchy stuff goes on on that road. As a news reporter, you read some police reports about stuff that goes down on that road. As a new person in town, you, with this information, you try to avoid that road. But I drove past this Canton Inn Motel once or twice. So I gave it a Google. I'm going to read you some of my favorite Google comments, okay? All right. The first one is my own, and it says, I've never stayed at this hotel and never will, but dear God, are these comments hilarious. I thoroughly enjoy all of them. What a magical place this must be. Please keep this place alive. That is the first comment if you go on to this place, the Canton Inn Motel. That is the first comment at the top. Let's dive in. The first comment below mine was, it's from Chris, and he says, cheap but not clean. So may stay the, some may stay here to have a place, but watch out for others. I don't know what that means. It's a hotel. You should have your own room. I, it, it sounds like a Zelda 2. <laughs> uh, like talking that's, that's two out of five stars. All right. Jason says, I've never stayed at this motel, but I've visited a few times. If the halls are dirty and the paint and plaster are coming off the wall everywhere, there's been a few drug busts done on heroin and meth there, the back outside of the motel. People throw their trash out the windows there, and hookers stand at the corner of the outside of the motel crazy place. First off, Jason just, Jason just made himself a guilty man. He said he's never stayed at this place, but he's visited a, hotel, uh, a couple times. And then he mentioned that there's hookers there. I, I mean... Jason, Jason was getting some drugs or some strange. Uh, yeah. Alright. Harvey... Oh, Jason gave it a 1 out of 5. Harvey says, I hate seeing things wrong. I'm about places and people. But I wouldn't recommend it for a family. Maybe a single quick night, though, but be safe. A lot of guys just like... <laughs> like some of the employees here, apparently. Jeff, I... Jeff doubles down on Harvey's take and says, Good place to catch a girl and relax. Four out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when is the River Blast podcast going to do an episode from the kingdom? No, hang on. I got to find my favorite ones. All right, Christina. This was two years ago. All right. It starts off with prostitution, exclamation point. Doors don't lock. Yes, bugs everywhere. Dead rats. Blood-covered shower walls. No housekeeping whatsoever. I like how that one comes up. <laughs> After you mentioned dead rats and blood on the walls. Toilet not secure to wall. There was no bottom, so probably drained to the room downstairs. 
Pimps approach you in the parking lot and stand outside your window nightly. Always people sitting out front asking for something. It was just a horrifying experience. But if you have nowhere else to go, he will let you in with what you have and give you time to pay. That's kind of nice. Needs shut down with the thumbs down emoji. I'll freeze in the cold before I force myself into those circumstances again. You end up here from Canton landlords not taking care of their properties, and the city puts you out without accommodations. That's sad. I would rather sleep in my car. Do you know what I am saying? Yeah. I would sleep in my office, my car. I would stay up all night and hang out in a Walmart. I mean, they're... I just... Uh, there's one more I wanted to read. Alright. Uh, it's... Must read. Must read. This is from Paul. Paul McCartney is his name. I. I. I Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. Maybe. Halter Skelter. Beatles. Paul McCartney. Maybe. The Beatles have never played in Canton, I don't think. But if they did, Paul McCartney stayed at this hotel, and this was his review. He says, "Must read!" Exclamation point. All caps. This motel is disgusting, but listen, I had nowhere else to go. Keep in mind, keep that in mind while I tell you my horrific experience. First off, when I turned the corner to go to my room, the hallway to my room looked like it belonged in a horror movie. When I opened the door, I immediately checked the bed for any kind of bugs, but when I flipped over the cover, when I flipped the cover down, it revealed mouse turds all over the sheets. I took the top sheet off, and the bed looked clear, so I went to the bathroom to take a shower, but when I flipped the light switch, 110 volts straight through me. <laughs> so now I've had to, So now I've had it and I try to lay down. Couldn't use the blanket because it looked like 10 prostitutes started their period on it. That's offensive. How do you know they were prostitutes? Um, so I fell asleep, but my boyfriend stayed awake to watch TV. I woke up a short time later to my boyfriend screaming, get up, they're all over us. I jump up like, what? He says he's never seen so many bugs in one spot at the same time. It was like when you flip over a rock and the bugs start to scatter. Needless to say, I tried to sleep on top of the dresser while my boyfriend slept in a hard chair with his face buried in the table, mumbling all night how his life was over. And I'm just hoping any second I'd roll off the dresser and crack my head off something and die. This story is not fabricated at all. The story is 110% real and true. This is room 202. I wish I had pics. That coming from Paul McCartney. <laughs> Dude, he got electrocuted. That's actually pretty funny. Saying my life is over. <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, that was pretty good. <laughs> there, just some of these comments are just so freaking funny, though. Like, like the ones that give it five stars, like they clearly just used a hooker. And that was it. Like, they're just like, that's yeah, a good place to catch a girl and relax. Like, dude. 
Dude. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Oh, I'm glad I could share that with you. So, I, 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 <laughs> to close out the show, the random part of the show, um, I'm going to name some sport. This is a game we're going to play. It's called Are You In or Are You Out? I just need to know if you're in on something or if you're out on it. And we're just going to name sports things. All right? All right. And you can name, if you got some, fire them back at me. Okay? Uh, all right. Alex, are you in or out on quarterbacks who have a number 20 through 29? Out. I think that, like, I think you could do two. Three of them. You could be 20, 21, or 22 in college. If a kid number 22 comes out, and he's playing Texas high school football. I'm just assuming he's got a full ride to Alabama. Especially yeah, if they're in like mesh crop top jerseys and they look like old school 80s. Like I'm just assuming that kid runs the best best wishbone offense of all time. What's the story, wishbone? Okay. That's my contribution to this discussion. Alex, are you in or out? On the Jason-style goalie mask. I I don't have an opinion. I, I'm sorry. That's not the game. It, was it the original Jason mask? Like an old-school ho- hockey mask? Yeah. Like, what's your opinion on that? Is that cool or I, no? I mean, I, cool? Yeah. Safe? Probably not. Definitely not. But yeah, normally cool stuff isn't safe. Lots of cool stuff for safe. Says you, nerd. You've never stayed at the Canton Inn Motel. That's true. That's true. And I and I wouldn't give it five stars. All right, Alex. Are you in and out on one batting glove? Uh, I I'm, I was a one batting glove guy whenever I played literally, but you know, it, two nowadays. Two nowadays. If, whatever makes you feel comfortable. If you want to rock with no batting gloves, like an insane person, then. Good luck. I was um, summer league when it was really hot. Sometimes I'd go no batting gloves. But like high school baseball in Pennsylvania, you're playing a majority of your games under 60 degrees. So like you're insane if you don't wear batting gloves. Uh, I mean, there were sometimes if I was slumping, I'd do the one glove look. Also, I just liked Hunter Pence a lot as a kid. And he rocks the one glove thing. Um, But my dad told me this when I was like seven and it's been engraved in my brain ever since. He says, if you wear the one glove, just only one glove when you bat, you got to wear it under your glove in the field too. And I've never been a glove under the glove kind of guy. I've never been a double wrap. Yeah, in or out on glove under, or batting glove under the regular glove. Because I'm in. I'm in on that. You're in on that. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm a catcher, absolutely. Other, I do not like the gloves I had, especially as an outfielder, I do not like it. Whenever... You know, Alex Little League days, I, I played a lot of second base, and I didn't know about the glove underhand, and I guy hit a hard line drive, and it caught me right on the palm of the glove, and, you know, my my hand was stinging, and then, you know, next inning, I, I had the glove underneath, and I caught another line drive, and it's like, oh, that's so much better. So, one bad experience, it's like, yeah, under the glove for the rest of my life. Alex, in, an, in or out on high socks in baseball? Oh, I am hard, hard in. Hard in on this one. I The higher the socks, the better. Um, my mentality is this. If the sun's out, the socks are out. 
If it's a day game, show the socks off. Looks good. I think when you're playing under the lights, you can wear it. But, like, so MLB Sundays, Thursday afternoon game, show off the socks. You play 162 games, though. You can mix it up. I don't know if you're going to do 160 games of socks up. But, like, when you're a kid playing in those afternoon games on a Saturday afternoon in, like, a tournament, rock them up, baby. And let, the only kids, in my opinion, back when I played, the only kids who wouldn't wear their socks up were the kids that forgot their baseball socks. And they're just playing with, like, a pair of Nike mid-cuts underneath. I've been that guy. It's not a good feeling. No, it is not a good feeling. It's because, you, hey, you ruined the socks. The socks are gone. Oh, yeah. Jennifer Hiles had some words for me a couple times after I uh, I ruined some white Nike mid-socks. Not great. No. It's impossible to get back in. It's, it's yeah. Baseball dirt is harder to get rid of something you acquire than something you would get from the Canton uh, Motel. You took the words right from me. All right. This is my last one for you. I would like for you to bring up a couple for me. All right. As someone who wears glasses, in or out on rec specs. What's a rec spec? Like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar oh, basketball oh, glasses. I could be in if you're. If that's what's rocking for you because it's tough. It is tough playing sports with glasses. I, I wouldn't know. Never had glasses. I played Little League. In one year, I, I wore bifocals. That was the worst hitting season of my life because you can't – whole thing of bifocals, by far, then it comes close. It, the ball actually was moving on me, it felt like, whenever I was swinging. And I had to pretty much swing blindly. It was not a good season for me. But, yeah, if whatever works with your eyes, whatever – if you have, like, just uh, like prescription sunglasses you want to rock, go for it. I, I usually just wore my regular glasses, though. Dude, growing up watching baseball, there was no one who looked more badass in glasses in the history of time than Eric Gagne coming on the mound. Oh, yeah. I Whenever mean, he would get up to as far as he could go, max level. Yeah. He was you awesome. Two in a row? What's that? What was it, 82 in a row for him? Something Saves? like that. I mean, he was a beast. Stupid. That that was the early two thousands had just a run of closers. I mean, they had like the two best of all time and Hoffman and, and and Mariano Rivera. But like, it also just had like these wild runs. Like Francisco Rodriguez just went on this wild run. Eric Gagne just went on this wild run. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Eric Gagne is someone that my kids need to know about one day. Yeah, how did Jose Mesa and Mike Williams? Both saved, like, 40 games in a season for, like, garbage pirate teams. Dude, I don't know. Like, I remember Jose Mesa was, like, legit good. You say that name around my Indians fan grandfather, he will punch you in the face. But, like, Jose Mesa was a good pirate, and he was, like, 48 years old. Turn? What? That took a turn. No, I mean, Indians fans do not like him. Because of 97? Or was it because he, he beat with Vizquel? Yes. I mean, both. both. Like, Omar Vizquel is like a god. I mean, even to me, like, he's probably my favorite. Him and Jeter are my favorite non-pirates of all time. Well, that and, like, Jackie Robinson. Um, but, I mean, Jose Mesa was, like, good. 
and he just had one bad outing. Joe's a bad time to have it. Like, my grandpa still calls him to this day, Jose Mess Up. He hates him. That's unfortunate. All right, give me a couple, and we'll wrap up the show. All right. In or out, more AB news. There was some that we learned right beforehand. You're, are you out? Just no more. You don't. Are you officially done with it? I'm not big on talking about the topic uh, that he's being associated with now. Um, yes, but past that. Okay, let me rephrase that. Before this most recent development, whenever he was with the with the Raiders, were you in or out during all of that? Yes, I was all in all the way up until we're recording this on Tuesday night at nine o'clock. So. Use your imagination as to what headline just came out. Again, I'm in the news media now, but I'm just not big on talking about things that haven't been settled in court yet and everything. Off the record, I'll, I'll share my thoughts, but it's just, I don't know. Nothing good comes from it, in my opinion. So I'm going to stay out of that. But prior to what happened from the moment we're recording this, I've become a bigger AB fan. I really have. This is awesome. He's the Kanye West of football. And I love Kanye West. AB is insane. But he's also insanely talented. I'd watch him on all of the Hard Knocks episodes. And they were showing his Steelers highlights in the first one. It made me think. like, dude. I mean, this guy was my favorite Steeler. Probably, aside from Jerome Bettis, he's probably my second favorite Steeler of all time. I mean, I was at his first preseason game when he had five catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns. 16-year-old Noah Hiles looked at his dad and said, dude, that guy's going to be good. And my dad's like, he's not even going to make the team. Who was right? The GOAT was. All right, anyway. And I've, I've been a fan of his ever since. I was really disappointed how his career in Pittsburgh ended. Um, but, like, I'll always appreciate him on the field. He's incredible. In my opinion, he's the best receiver of all time. The off-field stuff, it got annoying when he played for the Steelers. But now that he doesn't play for the Steelers, I can enjoy this part of it too. This is a show. There has never been a player, and it's a damn shame that, you know, this at, at first it was all innocent. Aside from the balcony thing, you know, speeding and everything. But he never really hurt anyone until now, allegedly. But before that... Damn close with the, uh, with the balcony. With the balcony and the McKnight Road and, you know, kicking balls at some crackers. You never know. But, uh, like, it was just, it was just like, a reality. T- it was the Jersey Shore. And I loved the Jersey Shore when I was in high school. This was unlike anything else ever. And this news story that came out kind of ruins that. Not kind of. It, it 100% ruins it. Um, but prior to that, this guy was just the Kanye of football. And I love Kanye. Because he's incredibly talented, but he's also got this side to him that's just so insane that you just you have to tune in for it. It's must watch. Ab. Uh, mm. So two Kanye. Rep- we're both big Kanye fans. In or out on a new album coming out? Jesus is King. I don't know. I mean, yeah. this last this last <laughs> album. Services, but. I guess he's really going forward with it. The Kanye group, I mean, I'm a big Team Ye guy. Like Chance, Kanye, Big Sean, all those guys in that area. Cootie. Yeah, but like, oh, they've, they've really been slacking. I mean, they, I'm, and listen, I'm not going to get political here, 
But ever since he put that hat on, he hasn't released a good album, and no one associated with him has, aside from Travis Scott. So, say what you want to say. Again, I, I love that meme with the with poor Chance the Rapper going, uh, I met Kanye West, I'm never going to fail. <laughs> it's, well, that was an effing lie. And I, I want Kanye to be good, man. I don't want to be one of those people who's like, I miss the old Kanye. Because I, I really like Life of Pablo. I thought that I thought that album was awesome. It's one of my favorite albums he's had. I know you don't like it. It for me. I, I, I liked the peaks, but man, whenever whenever it was bad, it was bad. I which don't is, know. Which is, which is fine. I love that album. And it partially, I think when you have an album that comes out when you're in college, you have an irrational attachment to it. And that, oh, yeah. that one came out during, like, my junior year, which I constantly refer to as the best year of my life. Um, so that, that, that album was playing in the background for a lot of my great moments uh, in college. But yeah, I'm still in on Yay. I'm hoping this album is going to be great. It's not going to be, but I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of where I am. But... All right. Sure. Rebuttal. In or out on Dave Chappelle. Oh, man, I'm in. That was funny. It was inappropriate. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. I don't have the heart to watch it. It's bad. I mean, it is. It is. It's inappropriate. But I'm a. I'm a component of comedy. You're able to push boundaries, and Dave Chappelle, more than a lot of other people, has earned the right. To really push the boundaries. Some of the things he makes fun of, not funny. Not no. funny. There's some parts of it where you're like, ugh, I don't know. Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm a Chappelle show guy. I also think that the people who got famous in comedy pre, you know, politically correct era, as dumb as this might sound, I think you kind of get to be grandfathered in a little bit. Like, I think Chappelle earns that right to be grandfathered in just a little bit. And, like, they weren't, I don't know. I, I it's, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I get why some people wouldn't. I'm not going to recommend it to people because, you know, it wasn't the best stand-up that I've seen, but it wasn't the worst either. I enjoyed it. I get why it would piss some people off. Don't judge me because I enjoyed it. I, at the end of the day, like I said, comedy is comedy. You're able to joke about things that are inappropriate. Some of the stuff he said wasn't funny. I thought the majority of it was. Yeah, and, and like I said, I really shouldn't have that strong of an opinion because I haven't watched it. I don't have the heart to watch it, but just basically everything I heard about it. I, I, I'm kind of tired of comedians going against PC culture, like, you know attacking all that like oh, oh this is terrible it's like that's half the netflix comedy specials nowadays this isn't a hot take anymore yeah it, it's like it was like going after trump like in 2016 like nothing you no jokes you can make about trump are original anymore like they've all been made like some of them are still funny every now and then but like yeah. overall it's just like I don't care if you have a good Trump impression. Everyone has a Trump impression. I hear it on car commercials. I hear it on SNL. I hear it in every stand-up. I hear it on every talk show. It, it's, oh, I'm tired of hearing it, you know? 
Speaking of Trump impressions, in and out, Alec Baldwin roast. Dude, that trailer of uh, Blake Griffin, did you see that? No, I haven't watched any trailer. I don't want any jokes spoiled. I'm just going to watch it Sunday. Blake Griffin does a little bit of his roast towards Caitlyn Jenner, who, at the time of their birth, was the father of the Jenner daughters, the Jenner girls, as you know, whom he dated one of them. He dated Kendall. So just imagine yourself in that position. You're okay. roasting people, and you have your ex-girlfriend's... I mean, he's still technic- she's still technically the father, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, biologically, yeah. Biologically, she made Kendall Jenner. So, yeah. Like, your ex-girlfriend's father is sitting there. And let's be real. It's a roast. It's Caitlyn Jenner. Pretty big target. I, I mean, you... I mean, yeah, she knew what she signed up for, and she handled it well. But damn, that was some good. That was a good job by my man Blake Griffin, Blake of the Year. Uh, I, I'm even more excited now. Oh, dude, it's good. It's really good. All right, Alex, final thoughts. Um, I'm gonna go over here into this chair and uh, mumble about how my life is over into this table. You really like that, huh? I really did enjoy dude. that. Go look up the rest of them. We only are scratching the surface on those comments. All right. Final thoughts. Uh, Big thanks to Donnie once again for joining us. Um, Be sure to follow him on Twitter. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at Noah underscore Hiles 95, at Alex J. Stump. Follow Slice on Broadway, at PGH Slice. Follow our podcast, at Riverblast Radio. Send some prayers to the man upstairs for our guy, Jason Rollison. You know, keep him in your thoughts and prayers if you, you know, think or pray. I'd imagine that most of you think. I'd hope that most of you pray. But, you know, if you don't do the latter, at least do the former. Just give him some good vibes at the very least. He deserves them. Um, link, or, you know, send our link out. Subscribe, rate, review. Give us some positive feedback. Because, you know, it's just been a negative season, and we just want that positivity. If you don't, if you disagree with our comedy standards... Save your breath. I don't want to hear it. Uh, you can tell, tell, tweet at Alex if you disagree with my comedy standard. Because, again, I don't want to hear it. Um, but if you have any baseball takes or anything else on the podcast, let us know. Tweet at us. Interact with us. Until then, we'll see you next time. Saying, let's go Bucks.